Welcome to Voices from the Cathedral, a podcast that brings you sermons from the Cathedral of St. John the Divine in New York City. On Sunday, July 26, the Reverend Deacon Paul Anthony Daniels II asked the question, what for the Christian is the measure of faith? In this sermon, he reflects upon the lives and legacies of C.T. Vivian and John Lewis and the power of the Spirit of God in them and in all of us. May I speak in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the 1950s, Nashville, Tennessee saw the likes of many emerging American heroes. 1958 and 1959 in particular marked the beginning of John Robert Lewis and Cordy Tyndale C.T. Vivian's tutelage under James Lawson in the art of peaceful, nonviolent, direct action. At the time, both Lewis and Vivian were in training to become ordained Baptist ministers at the American Baptist Theological Seminary in Nashville. On March 7, 1965, a 25-year-old Lewis and a 40-year-old Vivian would be together again as both marched together and were jailed together in Selma, Alabama. It was the first in a series of three protest marches stretching from Selma to Montgomery centered around a single demand that black Americans be no longer denied their constitutional right to vote by the force of state sanctioned violence. The demonstrators were led across Selma's Edmund Pettus Bridge by members of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference and the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, otherwise known as SNCC, in the spirit of peaceful, nonviolent, direct action, as imparted to them by Lawson. This peaceful, nonviolent protest was met, however, by the brute and gratuitous force of the Dallas County Sheriff's Office, resulting in what is now known as Bloody Sunday. Just as John Lewis and C.T. Vivian began their formal freedom fight together in Nashville, Tennessee, they finished their freedom fight together, both passing into glory in the morning and evening of July 17, 2020 in Atlanta, Georgia. This morning, I would like to honor Congressman John Robert Lewis and the Reverend Dr. Cordy Tyndall Vivian by attending to that element of their lives, which gets easily overlooked in thoroughly secularized renderings of their political struggle. In other words, I would like to honor them by thinking about their faith and asking the question, what for the Christian is the measure of faith? What for the Christian is the measure of faith? Now, at the risk of disappointing you, I must say this question cannot be answered scientifically. 
That is, with respect to the measure of one's faith, there is no checklist of sequential activities one must perform that upon completion, one might say, aha, I've got it. The measure of faith for the Christian is not a matter of distance and destinations, so to speak, but of disposition and desire. The measure of faith for the Christian is determined by our outlook on life. And according to Paul's epistle to the Romans, here's the outlook proper to what we now call the Christian faith. The belief that if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. What for the Christian is the measure of faith? The measure of faith for the Christian is an unwavering belief, an unwavering disposition that the Spirit of God is that which gives us life. Now, this could be easily received as a softball Sunday morning sentiment, a sugary sweet, a mere feel-good, but that would be a mistake. Because the Spirit of God, which gives our mortal bodies life, Paul says, is the Spirit which raised Jesus from the dead. And yes, there's a sweetness in that, but that sweetness has a heaviness to it, a funkiness, a gravity. The power of resurrection is our power. The power to do impossible things is our power. Think about that. And yet it is only our power, the power to do impossible things. Because God in Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, has revealed it to be so. Thus, we can never be so arrogant to believe that anything we do as mere mortals, that is worth noting, is done by virtue of our own ingenuity. We can never be so arrogant to believe, particularly as Christians, that we can fight the good fight apart from God who strengthens us. We are more than conquerors, wrote Paul to the church in Rome. This means that our Christian journeys are defined by more than something like outward strength, outward strength which defines the conqueror. Our Christian journeys are defined by an inward strength, by minds and hearts fixed on the idea that God is for us. Faith, John Lewis said, is being so sure of what the Spirit has whispered in your heart that belief in its eventuality is unshakable. For Lewis and Vivian, the dream was not theirs alone. And the power to pursue the dream was not theirs alone either. The dream and the power to pursue it was given to them 
as a free gift was whispered in their hearts by the Spirit. They left this world still fighting for that dream. They knew that its continued deferral was not a matter of God's unfaithfulness. And in fact, that they never stopped fighting must be a sign to us that they knew something much more complex about their faith than a win-loss column. What for the Christian is the measure of faith? It is a matter of disposition and desire, an unwavering disposition which takes the form of belief that the Spirit of God whispers the dream in our hearts and gives us the power to imagine the impossible and to do the impossible. But this is a dream and this is a power which grows through the Christian's desire to be forever a student of life, forever a learner. For the student of life, overcome with the desire to learn, life itself is a sacrament. Life itself is holy. The student of life knows that just as the Spirit of God dwells in them, the Spirit of God dwells in all else. And the student of life goes on the search for the Spirit of God in all things. Though we may never know the full extent of that which we need, though we may never quite understand how the impossible will get done, a little belief and the desire to learn makes the Spirit of God within us say yes. And before we know it, on no singular accord of our own, our faith will have given us the courage to make our claim with Jesus, with John, and with Cordy as freedom fighters, called to do the impossible, justified in so doing, and glorified at the last day. Amen. Thanks for listening to Voices from the Cathedral. The Cathedral of St. John the Divine is the Cathedral of the Episcopal Diocese of New York. It is chartered as a house of prayer for all people and a unifying center of intellectual light and leadership. People from many faiths and communities gather here to worship together, provide meals for the hungry, educate our youth, and host concerts, exhibitions, performances, and civic gatherings. You can find us online at stjohndivine.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at NYC. That's S-T-J-O-H-N-N-Y-C. Check back soon for another episode.